The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm your host, Kate Ebner. If you enjoy regularly tuning into the show and you'd like to stay connected, I invite you to go to NeboCompany.com and sign up for our weekly Visionary Leader newsletter. You know, many people are concerned about the world today and for good reason. Serious problems plague our economy, political systems, society, and the natural world. But how can we change our course and create a better future? I'm very pleased to welcome someone who has done groundbreaking work on this very question and who has a lot to share with us today, Dr. Otto Sharmer. Otto, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the show. My pleasure. I'm going to say a little bit about your background, um, and uh, there's actually so much to say, but to inform our audience, um, Otto is the author or co-author of the books Presence, Theory U, and the newly released Leading from the Emerging Future from Ecosystem to Ecosystem Economies. Otto is an action researcher who creates innovations in learning and leadership delivered through classes and programs as a senior lecturer at MIT and also at the Global Classroom online programs and through innovation and change projects in all kinds of organizations and communities. He co-founded the Global Well-Being and Gross National Happiness Lab, which links innovators from Bhutan, Brazil, Europe, and the United States in order to innovate beyond GDP. Otto works with governments in Africa, Asia, and Europe and has delivered award-winning leadership and innovation programs for clients including Alibaba, Google, and Pricewaterhouse and is a regular contributor at Huffington Post. He's the founding co-chair of, I'm sorry, the founding chair of the Presencing Institute, an awareness-based action research community that develops ways to put many of the ideas we're going to be discussing on the show today into action. So, Otto, I described some of your background, but I think it would be really interesting for you to start off by telling us what led you to the work that you do today. Hmm. What led me to the work uh, that I'm doing today? Well, there are probably many answers to that question, and... um, uh, the, the first one, um, the first, the first answer probably is uh, because um, I was born on this earth and uh, uh, I grew up uh, in uh, with my parents, I mean, with my parents uh, near Hamburg in, no- in northern Germany, on a farm. And my parents, some um, uh, I don't know, some fifty-five. Fifty-seven years ago, they uh, um, 
they were actually uh, among the pioneers in Germany of moving from conventional to uh, um, organic agriculture, to biodynamic agriculture. So they um, pioneered a new way of uh, farming, kind of that now is much better known and much more popular, but back then really was pretty um, uh, even more um, counter-mainstream than it is today. And uh, I saw... um, with my own eyes, kind of that um, my parents basically did something they truly believed in uh, and didn't uh, shy away from difficulties and uh, challenges you run into when you're an innovator, uh, uh, including kind of social challenges of, you know, being a little bit excluded after being in the center of the community, kind of because everyone else, uh, when, when you move to organic, uh, everyone else um, really um, don't, want to, don't want to see that because it makes uh, everyone else look, um, uh, look bad or look uh, as if there is a problem, which, of course, is true. And um, so that's, uh, I saw my parents and, you know, um, believing in their dream and making it real over the decades. Uh, that's one influence. Uh, a second influence is when I grew up, um, near uh, our farm, actually, was one of the major battlegrounds of the anti-nuke movement in the 19, late 1970s in Europe uh, back then. Um, and um, I became an activist um, in, in the emerging... Um, environmental green movement back then, and um, the, um, um, the fight against nuclear power plants and the, uh, and the risk that come uh, with it um, started then and um, basically um, went a few years ago into the final round where the government decided to exit out of that industry uh, after... Um, uh, Chernobyl, uh, after um, uh, Fukushima, um, uh, as you probably recall, kind of it was the German government following the sentiment of German people to use that accident um, as an instance to uh, phase out nuclear energy uh, in Germany, while at the same time strengthening other alternative uh, non-coal based energies like solar and wind uh, in Germany, which is actually happening, which is an um, uh, amazing story in itself. So that was the second um, uh, uh, environment that um, was very influential for me. And then uh, a third one was the uh, in the 1980s, the, um, the peace movement, both in Eastern and Western Europe, and the um, civil rights movement, in Central and Eastern Europe, uh, Central Eastern Europe, that eventually played a major role in bringing down um, the wall and uh, the Berlin Wall and kind of uh, effectively kind of ending the Cold War system. So participating in that grassroots movement that happened throughout Europe back then uh, also had another um, major influence on me and what I experienced in all these uh, movements back then uh, as a young person was uh, that I connected. It was, 
I think it's something that's animating everyone who ever participated in any social movement, which is that you connect with many other people around something that is very powerful and yes, and yet seems to be not very tangible. And that is a sense of a future that's different from what presently exists. It's a shared sense of the future that you feel connected with um, across, um, across boundaries, across communities, and that you then collaborate with others to, to making it happen. And kind of this kind of sense of possibility of bringing about a, a future that's significantly different to what currently exists is something that's enormously um, uh, creative and enormously empowering to some degree when you uh, uh, when you um, when you move through a process of moving from that felt possibility to collective action, mm. and it's essentially the same process that makes great entrepreneurs uh, great innovators, right? Because uh, every great innovator, which I studied many years later after I went to MIT and um, and um, became interested really in what does it take to create learning infrastructures for not only learning organizations but also learning societies. And I realized that there, is, uh, there are really two different types of learning. One is learning from the past and virtually all existing methodologies that you can, um, that, that we know, um, kind of through research and through best practices and consulting company and so on, they are based on the same learning model. And it's basically the, a learning model that has you reflect on the experiences of the past. Mm-hmm. But what I experience in real life, in working with business organizations, with governments, with civil society organizations, with communities, I saw people, over the, particularly over the past 15 years, more and more wrestling with challenges that you cannot address by looking back, that you cannot address by just reflecting on the experience of the past, but that require you to access a different source of knowing, which is more, uh, it's a knowing that's not looking back, but it's a knowing that is about sensing and actualizing emerging future possibilities. To be more precise, sensing and actualizing your highest future potential. And that's a different to, 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 to engage this process of learning requires you to go through a deeper, through a different process because it requires you to access different sources of knowing. Mm. which is not only the knowing um, that is above our neck, kind of that resides in our head, kind of the reflective knowing, but also the knowing kind of that is connected with our emotional intelligence, kind of the, the, the knowledge, the intelligence of our heart, and also the intelligence of our will. So no. uh, it, in my work, I then refer to this kind of second type of learning as learning from the emerging future, and the first one is learning from the past. And that really has been um, a major uh, influence, kind of that, that insight really set me on a track it of did. exploring that, researching it, and developing a methodology for that, that I basically stayed, stayed on for the past um, 15 or so years. 
Well, it's fascinating, actually, to hear you describe that, especially because even as you thought about it, it you, you moved from the influences right into the work. <laughs> so it's so clear how, um, how you have been influenced. And, you know, we just have a couple minutes before our first break, um, but I want to read the first paragraph of your most recent book and sort of plant that seed for the audience so that when we come back from the break, we can actually talk about um, what you just described in, in, in some more um, nuanced ways. So the, here's the first paragraph of a, the book that you've written. I think this is an extraordinary book. It's called Leading from the Emerging Future, From Ecosystem to Ecosystem Economies. And this is a book for everyone who's interested in thinking about the future. So the first paragraph goes, finance, food, fuel, water shortage, resource scarcity, climate chaos, mass poverty, mass migration, fundamentalism, terrorism, financial oligarchies. We have entered an age of disruption, yet the possibility of profound personal, societal, and global renewal has never been more real. Now is our time. So I love this opening because you really frame uh, the challenges, the things we are afraid of and, and know are, are, are we're facing, um, and also the opportunity, you know, the possibility that actually there's never been a greater opportunity. Um, so I know that I'm, I'm racing with the clock here with one minute, but I'm just curious to know, Otto, as you hear me read that aloud, what's the feeling it gives you to contemplate your own words? Well, it, it's a feeling of recognition. I think it's it's a feeling. Sometimes, uh, uh, I mean, often. I mean, I don't actually read the stuff I, I wrote myself. So, and <laughs> yeah. when you do, you uh, well, sometimes you, you realize how time has moved on. Mm-hmm. And when I hear this paragraph, it rings true. That's how mm-hmm. it feels. It rings That's- true because I have seen communities around the world where exactly. The, um, experience that kind of opening, an opening, a a feeling, a felt sense that we live in a time where something is ending and something else is wanting to be born. We don't know exactly what what it is that's wanting to be born, but we know for sure that something is going to end because the way we operate now is in no way sustainable. So that feeling is very widely shared, and that's what's resonating with me. Well, thank you so much. I I have that feeling as well, and I'm glad you put it that way. We're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back for more with Dr. Otto Sharmer, the author of Leading from the Emerging Future. He's a senior lecturer at MIT and founder of the Presencing Institute. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate Ebner, and I'm delighted to have Otto Sharmer of MIT and the Presencing Institute on the show with me today. I have been reading working with, using, practicing the ideas that he has put forward um, since, since I read the book Presence. And uh, it's really an honor and a privilege to have you on the show with me today, Otto. Thank you for um, bringing us right into the subject with the way that you talked about what has influenced you in the past in our last segment. Uh, right before we ended, I was reading from your book, and really you were framing the challenges and also introducing the opportunity of the modern day. And, you know, I think in Leading from the Emerging Future, you really describe a shift that needs to take place inside each of us in order to, to move to the emerging future. What is that shift about? Well, first off, when you, when you think about the, um, um, or when you contemplate or, or consider or reflect kind of the current situation, um, and uh, when you observe groups doing that, there's like uh, three kinds of reactions that you can uh, observe, which is um, denial, which, because it's too painful to look at what, uh, what, what actually is happening. There is um, depression when you take it in and then kind of you, uh, it, it, uh, it's kind of taking you down. And then, of course, there is cynicism, right? So those are the, um, so that, which is like an emotional disconnection. Yes, your mind knows it's all going to hell, but what can I do? You're like in denial of the own role that you could play in this. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, those are the three standard reactions that we have. And I think it's just interesting to see. I don't know uh, about... Uh, you, the listeners, to this. But um, so, so what I'm noticing is that there is, I know um, my own life experience, but also many people I know, they um, reflect on this kind of uh, situation we are in, kind of the ecological problems, the social... Now I, in the book, I frame them in terms of three divides, uh, the social, ecological divide, the social economic divide, and then the 
spiritual divide, which is a disconnect with our emerging or our real self. And when you reflect on all these problems, um, uh, it, it does look um, grim, and we don't, and we do know that um, the next decades there are severe uh, disruptive changes coming our way. It's too late for many of them, not all of them, but for many of them, it's too late to prevent them. They're already underway. So um, the question is really how we respond to them and how do we operate in the age of disruption. And what I noticed in, in observing organizations, observing communities, observing myself in, in dealing with disruption there are two ways when disruption, I mean, another word for disruption is breakdown, right? So when, when disruption happens, what are you, so when crisis hits, uh, what are you noticing? You notice two types, of re, uh, two types of reactions. Some people close down, freeze, revert, kind of revert to older, old patterns of behavior. And then there's some other people when they face disruption, they open up, they let go, they lean into the unknown, and they connect with the future wanting to emerge and then help it to come into reality. So those are, and, and what I'm interested in, so what really, so what, what makes the difference to so whether I respond one way, which is freeze and revert, or whether I respond another way, which is open up and lean into the unknown to let go, to let come? This is hard so, to do. I mean, I think you're, I think you're, you're describing something that people experience um, personally. And um, so, so, so it's, it's great. And to say more about, about the difference. What, yeah, what's why, the difference? I mean, why, why is it? I think the, the difference is essentially uh, an inner place. You need to shift the inner place that you operate from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, so the question is, you're right. I mean, it's hard to do. And why is it hard to do? Because the moment, I face such a situation. You know, I you know, I face a situation that is calling me or inviting me to lean into the unknown. In that moment, um, I face three enemies, three enemies that are usually um, hitting me from within, kind of enemies within, you could say. The first uh-huh. one is the voice of judgment, right? So I so that I'm kind of too rigid in my old habits of judgment, and I hold mm-hmm. on to them. The second one is, which is, you know, voice of judgment is really kind of holding on. You know, it's, that has a lot to do, actually, with de- denial, right? Uh, because, you know, holding on to your old patterns of cognition is really not fully acknowledging what's happening around you and opening up kind of and immersing yourself into these realities. The second one is the voice of cynicism. And the voice of cynicism, you know, what is it that the voice of judgment does? It's basically shutting down our open mind, closing our mind. Yes. And what the voice of cynicism does is it's shutting down 
our capacity to empathize. Uh-huh. Empathism means kind of I, I disconnect with you rather than connecting and, and reaching out. And um, so our capacity to develop empathy and compassion is diminished as a result. And the third one is the voice of fear. So why am I not leaning into the unknown? Because uh, I have fear. I have fear of losing stuff, of not making it, of you know, maybe being ridiculed from my community. There are a lot of fears that are kind of operating on me, and we all know. I mean, anyone who deals with change knows that's the number one force in any kind of company or larger company or, or organization. So it's a major factor, and dealing with fear is um, one of the major uh, issues. Uh, we, we need to, uh, we, we need to uh, um, uh, develop some uh, um, competence in, 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 in navigating. <laughs> so the yes. voice of fear really is something that prevents us from letting go to let come. And interestingly, I... I um, I searched kind of the word root of the English word leadership, right? You know what that is? What is it? There is, a, there is an Indo-European word root for that, and it's spelled L-E-I-T-H, light. And, um, uh, and it means to cross a threshold, kind of to go forth, to cross the thre- threshold, or in a different translation, it means to die. So think about that. The word root, the Indo-European word root of the English word leadership means literally to die. What is to die? To die is essentially to let go in order to let come. To let go of one world, it's the ultimate letting go of one world that we know very well, that we are very familiar with, in order to let come of another world that we cannot be even certain whether it's really existing, that we can only find out about if we have the courage to let go of the known and to, and to put our foot into the territory of the unknown. And that's exactly what I believe the first person experience of leadership is like in this century, as an individual, as an organization, and as a larger community. That's exactly what we face when we enter a situation of disruption. Well, the invitation to have the courage to let go of the known and to lean into what we don't know yet, but what we feel is possible. Well, you know, we're going to take a break again in just a moment. I'm finding time is flying as I'm listening to you and thinking about what you're saying. But I wanted to ask you, you know... Um, since it's hard and we have those three voices um, interfering with uh, any impulse we might have to, to lean in and to be open, what is it that compels us finally to let go, to lead into the unknown, to lean into the future? What do you think? Is it the, is it the courage? Is it necessity? Is it um, inevitability? Uh, I don't think it's inevitability, uh, for sure, because if that was true, it would always happen, but it does not. It's a choice. And that's why we need to pay attention to it. And it, in fact, it, often it does not happen. And people hold on. And in, in, in the book, um, in the book uh, Theory U, where I describe this, and that's why, you know, in the, um, 
I described two different cycles, two different types of social field, present thing and absent thing. One is about this leaning into, sensing and actualizing emerging future. That's how the new is coming into the world. And that's kind of what I call a present thing, sensing and actualizing the future. And the other one um, is when you freeze, revert, kind of, and, 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 you know, become part of old patterns that are no longer appropriate, which in an extreme form can be called absenting. And absenting means really disconnecting from your highest future potential rather than sensing and embodying and actualizing it. Mm-hmm. And the most extreme example of absenting kind of that I uh, describe in some more detail in the theory book where I first introduced that Yes. Is of course the example of Hitler and Hitler Germany. So where you know you can and you know where you where you can see in detail how you know all these he goes and this inner circle goes through two disconnections, which is disconnecting with the empathy with the environment, kind of horizontal disconnection. And then the second disconnect is the vertical disconnect. Disconnect to your highest future, your emerging self, your essential self, your highest future possibility. And then when you cut these two connections, something else is kicking in and leads to destruction and self-destruction. Destruction of others, so they, in the end they kill their children after they killed everyone else, and then they kill themselves. So destruction and self-destruction as a pattern. And, of course, we can, uh, it's easy for, you know, uh, for me being born, born late and, you know, and for people today to talk about this. This is like um, a while ago. But um, the same behavior, of course, we see in many, which is the behavior of absenting, which is destruction and eventually self-destruction we see on many levels. And what we, where we see it going on today is collectively. We, as a global community, create collectively results that nobody wants in the form of the ecological, the social, and the spiritual divide. No one wakes up in the morning and wants to destroy the environment, making other pe- uh, uh, people poor and unhappy. No one. And yet, that's exactly what we do collectively. So that's why um, individually many of us um, experience these deeper levels of creativity. But as a global community, we lack the awareness and maybe also the platforms for collective actions to operate that way. And therefore, we create results uh, collectively that no one wants. So we live in a state of, you could say, organized irresponsibility. You know, we're going to take a break right now, Otto. Thank you. We're going to come back to what you've been saying after this short break. I'm Kate Ebner, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Otto Sharmer. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? 
the Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. Once again, I'm your host, Kate Ebner. This is Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and my guest today is Dr. Otto Sharmer of MIT and the Presencing Institute. We are talking about it, the deep shift that humanity must make in order to create a better future or actually to let that future emerge. And this is an idea that Otto discusses in his book, Leading from the Emerging Future, From Ecosystem to Ecosystem Economies. And we are talking, we're sort of talking deeply in the process about presencing and also about absencing and the consequences about of absencing uh, was our discussion right before the break. Um, I, I want to go back, if we can, for a moment, mm-hmm. Otto, to something you said in the very beginning about the three main divides that threaten our world today. And you referred to this again right before the break, uh, ecological, social, and spiritual divides. And it would be helpful, I think, for our listeners if you just talked for a few moments about about how these are divides and what the division is. So, yes, I, I can speak about that. So, uh, you can uh, probably, uh, many of you have uh, seen examples of an iceberg model uh, where you have like 10% visible above the waterline and 90% not visible below the waterline, kind of the deeper systemic structures. And when you think about current reality, what is it kind of the 10% of symptoms, uh, problem symptoms that we see above the waterline? The way I think about them is in, in terms of the three divides, the ecological, the social, the spiritual divide. And what I mean with ecological divide is basically our environmental issues. And when you get to the core of it, it's basically a disconnect between self and nature. And if you want to capture, it shows up kind of in uh, many forms of resource scarcity, environmental destruction, and so on and so forth. And if you want to really put it into one number, it's the, one that, it's the number 1.5. We currently operate a world economy that is using 1.5 planets, 1.5 times the regeneration capacity of planet Earth. And the result, of course, is falling water tables, soil erosion, and so on and so forth. So that's 
a first divide, and it's essentially a disconnect between self and nature. The social-economic divide shows up in, in, in inequity and poverty and uh, social polarization and so forth. And it's essentially a disconnect between self and other. And again, kind of we see many, we know many forms of that. But the spiritual divide essentially is a disconnect between self and self, which is between me and myself, between my current self today and who I could be, my real or my emerging future self, who I could be tomorrow. And that shows up in, so when I, when what I do today is no longer connected with kind of my deeper emerging self, that shows up in energy loss and burnout and if it gets worse, depression, and if it gets even worse, in suicide. And um, in 2010, when you look at the numbers, more people killed themselves, committed suicide, than have been killed through war, murder, and natural disaster combined. So think about that. In spite of all the violence going on in the world, more people kill themselves than are being killed through others in war or murder or, or other forms of violent conflict. That's a shocking number, and it um, speaks about the violence that we are not only applying to others and to nature, but the violence that we apply to ourselves, so that inner disconnect. Um, and I personally believe, now we talk a lot about the environmental divide, the social divide, the third divide, the spiritual divide, that's the missing dimension. And as long as that does not enter the picture, we'll be unable to make any meaningful progress on, on the first two. Because essentially, kind of these three divides are not three problems. They are three different manifestations of one and the same deeper problem. And yet, the way we, we responded to these problems in society was that we have one or several ministries for each problem. We have one or several, like... Um, NGO clusters, environmental NGOs, social single-issue NGOs, and so forth. Um, and uh, so we have uh, solution mechanisms developed in society that is addressing the problem symptoms, one problem at a time. But we are not really looking at the interdependencies, and we are not looking at the deeper 90%, the systemic issues. And... What I try to uh, articulate in that new book is basically that we say, look, what is it that we see when we go below the waterline? We see a whole host of structural issues like the decoupling of the financial bubble, right? The, de the disconnect between the financial economy and the real economy or the disconnect between consumerism and our real sources of well-being. As you probably know, um, for all developed countries, we have enough data that shows that more GDP, more economic growth does not translate into more well-being. There's no connection statistically. So we, so, but then, you know, if that's true, we need to develop 
better indicators for economic progress, more linked to our real sources of well-being. So there's this whole host of structural and systemic disconnects. But then there's something underneath. What is the real root problem, the root issue, the root cause for all of these problems above the waterline, the three divides? And I believe the most important root cause for all these problems originates right between our ears. It originates in the quality of our thinking. It originates in the quality of our economic thoughts. And uh, the disconnect that the current economic thought has with the realities, the social, environmental, economic, and the spiritual realities that we face in this century, they are kind of one of the major drivers uh, of these problems. And when you look into the current economic thinking, it's, it's, you know, what is the blind spot? Well, we all know one blind spot, which is externalities, environmental issues and all of that, not reflected in economic theory. That's one problem. But what's the other blind spot? The other blind spot is consciousness. Consciousness is not a category of economic thought. So people in economic theory, we work with given levels of consciousness, with given preferences. And yet, any one of us who works in a real company, who works in a real organization, when we manage change, what is it that we do? We are in the business of changing consciousness. That's what change is. Mm-hmm. Now, I take people who only see their own angle, say, in a change situation, and I move them through a process where they begin to appreciate kind of how their actions impact other stakeholders in the system, kind of basically a move from ego to ego, from ego, silo type of thinking, I only see my own perspective, to Eco, which is I internalize the perspectives that other stakeholders have. I share them. I empathize with them. I factor them into my own decision-making. And um, what I'm basically saying is that the number one leadership challenge in organizations today, in my view, and that's true for business, it's true for government, it's also true for civil society, is to take complex stakeholder systems, right, complex group of partners that need to work together across many organizations often, from one way of operating where they operate based on ecosystem awareness, that they only see their own problem, their own institutional view, to another way of operating where they would operate on ecosystem awareness, which is an awareness that is focusing on the well-being of all and not only of the well-being of myself. And that's really, I believe, the number one leadership challenge today. It's true in education, in sustainability, in health, in all major systems today where we face these larger systems issues. And the question is, what does it take to take a, a group from ego to eco, a complex stakeholder group? And what I believe I have learned over the years is what it takes is a journey. Uh, a journey kind of that has you, not only that has you connect with others, that walk in the shoes of other stakeholders, experience the system from 
the edges of the system from the more, more marginalized members of the, the, the larger system uh, connect to your inner deeper sources of knowing kind of through mindfulness practices, through deep reflection practices for you know, asking these questions, the two root questions of creativity. Who is myself? What is my work? Who do we want to be tomorrow? And kind of what's the story of the future we want to be a part of? And then when you develop, you know, some sparks of the future, to explore them um, by doing kind of through rapid cycle prototyping, kind of small-scale experiment in order to then generate feedback from others and, and iterate your idea. Kind of that kind of process, that kind of journey, I think, is essential today, and that's really what we see happening on a smaller scale for smaller groups. But when we look at the larger systems, it's, all, it's, it's mostly missing because we don't have the enabling infrastructures for that. Ah, that is really fascinating. And, you know, I'm doing something I almost never do, Otto, which is um, I'm just listening to you. <laughs> Normally I have a conversation, but I feel that what you're saying is so compelling and so clearly stated and it's so important for us as listeners to to make the connections that you're bringing to us today that I really have appreciated um, the explanation you've given us. Believe it or not, it's time for our third break. So we're going to take that break. Um, this is Kate Ebner. I'm speaking with Dr. Otto Sharmer, and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Once again, welcome back. This is Kate, and I'm with Dr. Otto Sharma of MIT and the Presencing Institute today. We are thinking deeply about the shift that humanity must make to have a better future emerge. And this is an idea that he has developed and discussed in the series of books that he's authored and co-authored. And, you know, before the break, we were really talking about um, how this shift can occur and about this um, idea that there must be some kind of a, a journey in order for the... Um, the evolution of the consciousness needed. And so I want to um, take the last segment here, Otto, and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're learning so much from you today. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about a co- coaching conversation I actually had this week with a leader who's in a system that is um, not evolving as rapidly as he would like. Um, he sees a bigger picture. He sees a new set of possibilities within a, an environment that's very rooted in a, an old story and an old way of thinking and doing things. And um, his frustration is, how do I bring what I can see forward in this system? And so that what he's decided is that since the senior leadership isn't seeing what he sees, that he can influence his own functional area and he can actually create a, a powerful impact by working in his part of the system to to create, in effect, a journey for the people working with him on his uh, functional team. And, and I'm telling you that story because, you know, I think there are, there are so many ways that what you've been sharing are exactly what he's experiencing. Um, and I'm, I'm also uh, wanting, to, for those of you listening, to, to have an example of how this looks in the, in the world. You know, it's that sense that people have that there's a better way, a different way. I can't seem to get the system to move. Uh, I, I feel, I sense that there's an, another way of doing this. I, I even know from my own experience that there is, there's a shift needed. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a feeling of, I guess, suppose frustration, uh, sometimes isolation for the person who's experiencing both the desire for the shift and the, the feeling of stuckness. And so I, I, I wanted to share that with you, Otto, and just see your reaction. Is that the kind of thing that you're hearing from people as well? Absolutely. Uh, I think that's, um, uh, that's a very normal part of the process. I mean, not that it's true for everyone, but, you know, that is uh, particularly if you work in more conventional, institutional, uh, and more established conventional institutional environments, that's um, something quite normal uh, uh, to happen. And, you know, as, and you... And, and I think it's also important to have a little bit kind of empathy for our slowly evolving, the, uh, slowly is the operative word, mm-hmm. institutions. Um, so they are like kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, kids or kind of, you know, their early stage in their development and not everything, you know, they, you know, it's a lot about themselves and there's not that much uh, awareness for their environment and so on. And so um, those of us, kind of like the, the, the person that you mentioned uh, from the coaching session, who want to go beyond that, kind of they are kind of part of uh, the frontier, kind of they are helping this kind of institutional entity to move to the next developmental stage, to the next developmental awareness that is bringing in more uh, of uh, the larger environment. And, you know, the, when I talk about the shift from ecosystem to ecosystem awareness, it is really about kind of that shift from being totally inwardly oriented as an institution towards, you know, you know, turning, moving inside out. And you see that. It's, it's this kind of institutional transformation is happening on many levels. I mean, for example, here I'm at MIT, it means kind of that you move that place where learning happens from the classroom off campus into the real world, into action learning, participating kind of in the renewal of communities. So it's kind of this, we see it in many business organizations that move R&D functions out kind of to 
uh, to the crowd, kind of to engaging the larger ecosystem and to, uh, uh, to innovate in more collaborative and more co-creative ways. So there are many different forms of this inversion of turning something inside out and outside in and kind of uh, often it comes with a flipping of the pyramid, kind of that the old style of top-down pyramid leadership worked in the, in the environment of the past, but is no longer working in these complex new collaborative relationships that really require us to develop some different capacities, namely to cultivate uh, complex fields of collaboration in a, in a more co-creative way and to, to develop and mm-hmm. hold these platforms for, for co-creation. So on an individual level, so that's happening. And for the individual, there, uh, if you're kind of uh, in the front line of that, um, there are kind of a few strategies that I have found uh, useful. Kind of uh, the first one is that you want to find um, um, what you mentioned, kind of where is your own point of control. So where can you shape something where you can, on a small scale maybe, but you can create the reality that uh, you aspire to to bring about. Then you also want to, you know, partner up, kind of. You want to create kind of your own network with people who have, um, you know, a leaning into that direction. Kind of there is, it doesn't mean you need to connect to many, but you want to reach out. You don't want to be alone with that feeling. Three is you intentionally go to the periphery. Because in any kind of social system, the new happens first where? At the periphery, not in the center. Uh-huh. So you want to lean out. You want to go to the edges of the system. You want to really uh, lean into where, you know, the, um, uh, where the boundary kind of uh, uh, to the unknown kind of is more in reach and kind of is, you can be more in touch with that. And then um, uh, I think there's also something you want to support yourself through uh, listening and deep reflection practices, awareness-based practices, for example, mindfulness practices or meditative practices or simply, you know, the use of intentional stillness or something like that, that allows you to really um, pay attention to your deeper sources of knowing, and to have, um, you know, to attend quality time and quality attention to that, what's most essential for you. So what is intentional stillness? What does it look like? It's like, for example, and I was, you know, surprised. I mean, when I did this interview for the CEU book and, you know, interviewed all these innovators and, and thought leaders and, uh, and and creative people, I was surprised how many of them used a practice, kind of a personal cultivation practice. And many of them actually, when you ask them, when do you do it? Many of them do it, do the same thing. They get up a little bit earlier in the morning. They use the first half an hour before the noise comes to, um, to, to connect, to ground themselves deeper in their own life intention, deeper in their own quality of stillness and listening and deeper into their own sources of who they are and who they want to be. So an intentional stillness practice is basically that you pay attention to 
that you basically filter out the noise. And mm-hmm. you, you put your attention on that, what's most essential for you. And everything that is not, you let go. And it's you know, that kind you. of capacity that uh, is for this kind of journey that you talked about, uh, an absolutely vital condition. You know, that is a wonderful answer. Such um, clear guidance. Um, and I, I look forward to sharing it with my coaching client, and, and I'm sure it will be helpful to others as well. You know, this hour has sped by, and you have given us um, so much to go on. Um, we're going to, to end the show today. I hope that we'll have a chance to bring you back again, Dr. Sharma, to continue to learn more from you and talk with you about the work that you're doing and um, how we can connect with it and continue. Um, we'll be writing an article about this show in Visionary Leader um, newsletter next week, so feel free to um, go to nebocompany.com to get more information about how you can connect in with the work of Dr. Otto Sharma. Thank you so much for being with me on the show today. Thank you very much, Kate. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.